Hey, I'm Lynn Rogala. And I'm Ali Diliberto, and we are coming to you from the ladies' room. So we can talk about removing stupid, frustrating, and toxic shit from the world in a way that's not prim enough for the dinner table. All right, we're live. All right, back for episode two. Who knew we would make it this far? I figured we'd make it at least to episode two. <laughs> it was, I mean, we rescheduled it two times. So, <laughs> well, you weren't supposed to say that part. Oh, okay. Um, so you can restart the recording. <laughs> um, okay. Why don't you start us off by uh, reading the, the quote you just sent me because I'm highly yeah, like, entertained. I know. I couldn't stop laughing while, while she was setting up the recording. I saw this on Facebook. Um, it's such an inspiring quote. I feel like I want to get it made into a cross stitch, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> live your life in such a way that your air sort through your position, your possessions, whispering, what the fuck? What the fuck? What in the shit? <laughs> <laughs> and it was one of my close friends who posted it. And she said, I feel like I'm well on my way. I'm like, yeah, that is something to really aspire to. <laughs> I love it, right? So right. It's nothing laugh. to do with what nothing to do with what we plan to talk about, but it was it was making me I mean, I couldn't stop giggling, so it was a good way to get the last giggles <laughs> out like um you know, like we used to make kids get their wiggles out in, in church. Like before we taught the main lesson. Yeah. So, before we get down Perfect. to serious business. So, I mean, right. I feel like we've given all the value. So thanks, everybody, for coming to episode two. And, <laughs> have a really uh, great rest of your day. Have a great day. <laughs> and um, if you no, want to okay. hear us bitch about some other toxic stuff, let us know. Stay, Stay on, on for a few minutes. Yeah. Stay on. Um, <laughs> okay, so um, one of the things, like in the intro, we talk about how we're here to tear down toxic shit, right? Like that's one of the things sure. we're totally about. And when we're, we're kind talking of about what we Right. Yeah. I mean, some people might call it complaining, but we call it like revolutionary creation or something less obnoxious like complaining. <laughs> well, I will say, I think there is a little bit like we've been talking a little bit lately. So I want to, I want to say this, like there is a place where distinguishing why something doesn't work. There's places where it's not okay. Like I posted something on in a business group I'm in this week and I was like, I'm going to get all the Pollyannas going, just get on board. The company's wonderful. Just be yeah. thankful. Don't like complain. And yeah. Right. And the reality is like, I love this company and that's why I care enough to say this. Um, and some other leaders even came to my sort of defense, like nobody do that. This is an important topic. Um, but there's a real difference between, you know, act, accurately trying to distinguish why something's not working or what's not productive. Um, and, you know, I've had you say things to me, you know, I, I can't think of any at the moment and I probably wouldn't want to admit them publicly where you said something and I was like, Oh my gosh, I've totally done that. And you said it just like in a way that I'm like, you were just like, this is the most asinine shit you could even look, listen to this. And you're like, Oh yeah, totally. I would never want to be on that <laughs> side of it. But sometimes distinguishing it and pulling it apart is like the most productive thing to do, um, not just to tear something down for the sake of right, tearing yeah. it down, because we like to innovate and evolve things. We don't want to just burn things to the ground. So I mean, something. Yeah, and do. you know what? While you're talking, you're reminding me of um, John Gottman. Do you know John Gottman's work? He's um, he um, does yes, all the work because you gave me his book when we got married. Yes. Yeah, right. It's such not when we got married. 
No, when, <laughs> when, I John, think, when I, you and I got married, we went on eight <laughs> dates, eight conversations for your marriage or whatever. <laughs> I tell people, I'm like, I married my best friend, but I mean, like, I married her to this guy. And that's her husband now. <laughs> True. I performed her wedding ceremony. No, um, so he does, for those of you who don't know, he does, he's fantastic marriage work. Just absolutely. He's the guy who can predict with this startlingly high accuracy um, who's right, going to get divorced just by that. listening. Yeah, 90 something, just by listening to, to people talk about a conflict, couple talk about a conflict. Um, and he talks about the marriage predictors, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And complaining isn't even on there. He actually distinguishes between complaints and criticisms. Um, mm-hmm. And complaints are healthy things. Like if you, if there's something that's not working, complain. Um, he doesn't say don't complain in your marriage. There's ton- tons of people who would say we oh, should never complain. It's so negative. Um, but I love that he makes a distinction between complaining and criticizing. And he also talks about how to do healthy, um, like useful complaining. You know, um, like like in marriage, the difference would be, um, I feel so frustrated when I come in and I see your dirty socks in the middle of the kitchen floor. Um, And that's a complaint. And it's, you know, the couple can decide whether they're going to work on it or not. But it's a valid complaint. Whereas a criticism would be, you're such a filthy pig, um, where you go after the person. Yeah, right. So, um, yeah, okay, so we're going to we're going to do some complaining. Well, um, I want to say one more um, thing, right? Like it's really different <laughs> yeah. about this now that now that I'm thinking about it. So one of the things I think though is when you're complaining about a system or a way of thinking or you're pointing toward, you know, what doesn't work or we're like, this is so aggravating, there's also a lot of times where it's like, don't complain unless you have an answer. Like don't just point to something that doesn't work unless you have an answer. And some of the systems where we're looking at what doesn't work are so complex that you know, even as smart as you are and as much of your good ideas as I like to steal, like there's not, like we couldn't hope to answer all these questions and there needs to be a point being towards systemically things that aren't working and things that are not, um, not in the effort to only tear things down, but to innovate and build things up and make better systems. And I think that's part of it, right? Like you don't have to have the answers to point to something like I can see sometimes like something in software that's not working. Right. And I don't have any idea what that means. I don't have any answers about it, but I can still point to, you know, my Mac won't turn on or whatever it is. So I think it is important to just be able to address and make a place to address it and listen for, listen for the positive or what can be produced in that. And, and especially as leaders, right? Like we, we can resist some of that stuff because sometimes the things that people are, pointing to are kind of like sacred cows and right um you know we don't want those even when we sometimes don't like them there's this cringe of like you can't say that about that um so that's all like you can't say all the mean things that we said about the church in the last podcast (laughs) i was hoping we were going to get away from that one let's not say church the rest of the podcast (laughs) right no right like we're not gonna so there's a solemn vow to not do that um Okay, so this isn't even what we were going to talk about, but you just made me think of something. So one of the things we've been obsessed about lately, and let's say you're going to have to come back for episode three and beyond to hear more <laughs> about this, is um, how we source things inside people's genius. Um, and so if you say to someone, don't complain unless you have an answer, there are people who are really fantastic about looking to see, like discerning what isn't working 
and then asking right. really fantastic questions to wonder about, um, and I'm giving a hat tip to two of my favorite guys right now, um, to wonder about how things could get better, but they're not the ones to invent the solutions. And there's a place where complaining in community is actually really valid because there might be someone who says, hey, this doesn't work. I don't know what to do about it. And another person who says, gosh, I never noticed that, but I know exactly what to do about it. Right? Rather right. than expecting one person to do the whole the whole thing, the whole piece. Yeah, it's really good. We yeah. are really obsessed with working genius right now. Totally. Yeah, we'll talk about it on another podcast. But we'll that one. So we, we were just trying to decide what to talk about. And I mean, a lot of this podcast is about toxicity and the things that aren't working. Um, and I said, okay, what should we talk about? And we couldn't. And also just there's some dumb shit. Right. Oh, right. Like the right. dumb the in the ladies room. <laughs> right. The dumb what? Dumb, irritating shit. Just whatever the things oh, right. that for real are like that we have to deal with on a day-to-day basis that are sometimes asinine. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, there's a whole other conversation about how I recently discovered that I shouldn't stop getting angry about stuff. Right. Like that's one of the. Yeah. Right. That's but, good. But some of the times when I'm at my best. So, um, but we were trying to decide, okay, what toxic system should we talk about or should we talk about toxic systems? And then we realized like that that's 10 years worth of material if we wanted to talk about any one system or start listing. And so you had the idea to narrow it down and say, we're just going to look back on our week and just catalog the things that we've worked, like the, the systems that we've encountered this week that are, and we keep using the word toxic. Maybe we could break that down a little bit. Um, unworkable or about, frustrating. Yeah. Unworkable or, or, or sometimes. Then. Yeah. And it's so bureaucratic that, um, like toxicity can be about the dose. And so there's some systems where there's not even any malicious intent, but so much stuff has been layered in that the end result is a system that's actually toxic to people. So we're going to talk about just the ones we've dealt with this week as a way to narrow this down and keep it to our target (laughs) 30 minute ish roofing. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, Even though we gave all of our full value with that great quote, this is all a waste since you got this is bonus this is bonus content (laughs) i just couldn't stop laughing about it um right so wait can i start with mine i'm going to start with mine because mine is my encounter with it was relatively minor but it points to exactly what i'm talking about so um i had to deal with comcast this week um (laughs) and talk about a toxic system and and it wasn't that big of a deal there was an outage um, which was annoying, but whatever. I have, I have a data plan, so I can live. And my daughter came home from school, and she was a little grumbly because she was going to play Animal Crossing and couldn't because um, it requ- requires internet, and I wasn't going to let her hotspot the switch. Um, but I, so my stuff was out, and then I had to log into their website, and like just to log into their website. Well, actually, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. So one of the things that makes Comcast such a shit show, in my opinion, is that it's there's so many inner there's so many pieces of it, and there's not a unified architecture to how. I mean, how many times have you had right. to deal with Comcast and you call and they're like, "Oh, we're going to give you a credit," and then the credit never shows up on your bill. I had them one time. Are they transmuted for you to like three apart three departments to do one right. thing? Yeah, and they, I don't know how to do this. I, I, the system won't let me. And it's like, what the heck? What, What is this built on that it's like, you gave me a credit and either you lied 
which I don't think the person did. Um, right. Or whatever you did didn't have any effect on the billing system. So what the actual heck, right? Um, so there was an outage and I had to log into their site. And the very first prompt on the site is log in and upgrade. And I'm like, fuck you. I don't want to upgrade. I just want my stuff to work. So I log in and I had to go through like four or five pages before they finally say, okay, there's an outage in your area. It's going to be resolved in four hours, which was like, uh, and it only took an hour, which was, I have to give them a hat tip to that. Although who knows what the outage was from. So sign up here to get a text for when the stuff comes back on. All right. So I put in my number and say, yes, please text me. And that was Wednesday night. Um, I still don't have the text. <laughs> the internet came back on an hour later and I noticed the internet came back on because my arrows turned from red to, to white, my little router things. I'm like, Oh, the internet's back on, but Comcast never notified me and never. So what the heck? Like, why not just say, we're not going to tell you when it comes back on. And it, Cause now I'm just annoyed. <laughs> just try it back um, out a few hours. Right. And that's, I mean, that's kind of, a, I've had way, way worse experiences with them, but that's a perfect example of what we're talking about where, I don't know that there's anybody there with malicious intent. I think there's a lot of people there who don't care, but I don't think anyone's like, how could we design a system that would really frustrate and annoy our customers? And yet that's exactly right. But I also, right. But the system also isn't set up to foster the evolution to really serve a customer base. Well, right. Like there are people in Comcast who know how to solve these problems and they're getting paid to do really dumb shit instead of, and they're not being empowered to really contribute their own contribution, not to mention the customer experience. And I'm aware of like, even when you said Comcast, I was like, oh, like, I mean, I don't even want right. to like talk about it. I mean, I've listened to all the Comcast things and we don't have Comcast in Montana, but we I mean, there's just enough here. Yes. I mean, I we're all pretty locked when, in. When I moved from, when I moved from a place that had competition, to a place with no competition, I almost cried when I called to cancel my other account. Right. Like, Why are you canceling? Because be I'm moving where you are. <laughs> I was so, I'm like, I have yeah. to go back to Comcast. I've never, and you know what's funny is every time I've dealt with a human being, like I've gone to, there's a, a counter here in town where I can actually talk to a live person. Um, it's always mm-hmm. been, they're lovely. I've never met someone who was an asshole. Texts come to my house. They're just as frustrated as I am. Right. Um, and they're locked into this system that, it's, it's, you don't even, who do you even complain to? Right, that's the thing. Yeah, and I mean, and the interesting thing from here isn't really about Comcast, but about how, you know, we've been talking about systems layering on top of systems and also like systems that are so discoordinate with the value. Like when you think about the value of internet in our daily lives for most of us, it's um, it's like, it feels as essential as air, you know, it feels like so right. critical mm-hmm. and it's like a treasure, right? We do also take it totally for granted anymore. I do. However, I, I admit. Right. I mean, the kids come home and they just expect there to be internet on, right? Like, I mean, that's just reality, but the value of like, this feels so good. This company has showed up for me. They bring me this wonderful thing. Like the experience of having to interact with the company to get the thing you want is so painful that you would like leap giant hurdles not to have to do that and still get the end result. And there's not any good options, but what would it be like to give the energy, like for that company to capitalize on how much you love your internet alongside of how much you love the company and feel about their service and that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm a grudging, 
I'm a grudging customer with no options. Um, yeah. And yeah. yeah, it's, it's so interesting. And, you know, it wouldn't take much to get, to get my goodwill. Um, right. <laughs> and they don't have it. Um, and I even switched recently to the, the business account to get better service. And now I pay twice as much for the same services I had on residential okay. and I don't get better service. Um, in fact, it's been, I've had more frustrating experiences with them since they doubled my bill. I'm like, oh, and I, I picked Comcast as an easy place to start with the taxes because the impact of it is just, it's a little annoying. I mean, it impacts my business. It impacts, you know, we've had some outages where we've had to figure out how Riley could keep going to school um, during the pandemic. But for the most part, it's more, it's like minor annoyances, but I, right, I, it makes my problem. blood boil to deal with them. Right. Um, so yeah. that's kind of an opening salvo into, okay, here's, you know, whatever the opposite of the favorite thing song on, um, <laughs> on sound of music. That's like, so that's, you know, <laughs> right. There, there's my raindrops my on roses. Thing. So yeah. Right. So now we can start to get into more of the bigger ones. Cause I know that but you're, let me, you're weak. You've dealt. Let me say also, one of the things that's really, one of the things that points to is a need for disruptive innovation um, and small companies come alongside and, and do that. Right. But what it takes to disrupt, the supply chain of such a, such a big, you know, thing like Comcast or like our food, I mean, really major pieces of our life that we interact with. It's really difficult to do that with the resources of a small disruptive business. And we need, we need small business to come alongside and innovate and create pressure. And I mean, I, I'm obviously a fan for entrepreneurship, but that space of like, how do we, um, also facilitate companies being more nimble and more focused on um, what really are wins than they are in order to really facilitate change. Like there's, it's, I mean, Comcast got to be this way by layering one dumb thing on top of another without a commitment to, you know, people and experience and all these other things. That's how most systems get this way without insight, without doing enough listening and exploring and evolving and then they become maddening and they're the worst possible kind of hybrid they're like the opposite of a productive hybrid because they're a de facto utility i don't really have an option for high-speed internet where i am other than them but they're not held to the standard of my water company or my gas or my electric right they're they're still i mean i'm not suggesting that we we you know make them a utility but they're de facto a utility there's no competition and um and where we used to live where there was where there was competition um when the competitor came in even they did some crappy stuff like they came and they were digging the fiber it was a fiber competitor so they came they were digging fibers in front of my house digging the fiber and um everything was fine and then as they left my internet went out so i still had comcast at the time the cable and the fiber people were digging in my yard and then as we left as they left my yard, my internet went out. And now keep in mind, they were there because I said, I want to be your customer. Come and dig fiber to my house, right? So then I called Comcast. They said, my internet's went out. And they said, oh, yeah, we've got a truck in your area because we follow the fiber people around because the last thing they do on the way out is cut the coax. I was like, what the hell? So they did it on purpose. Like, the last, as they left my house, they cut the coax on purpose. Like, wait a minute, I'm your customer, but you're so interested in creating annoyance for your competitor 
that you just screwed me. You're only here because I'm trying to sign up with you. And you just screwed me over now. I don't because they, they hadn't hooked it up yet. So until they came and hooked it up, coax was my only chance. And they cut it on purpose. So the competition between them was so toxic that they took it out on me. Right. It's weird. Yeah. 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 And I love that Comcast had, I mean, that, that's a place where I have to give it to them. Although I will say that once that fiber company rolled into town, the customer service improved dramatically on Comcast. And I'm like, too late, fuckers. I'm done with you until I moved to Tucson. And then I had to eat that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Forced back into that toxic relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like I like talking about podcasts even less than I like talking about the thing I said I wouldn't say again on the on this podcast. <laughs> Let's talk about oh, all right. the other yeah. toxic crap. That's the forbidden. Don't don't say the c word. <laughs> we need to start calling it the c word. Yeah, no, like that makes it so hateful. Right. Um, okay, so we started with my easy one and we ranted for I don't even know how long. So yeah, we now only you have go. like eight more minutes. So. Okay, let's All see. Right. Toxic stuff I've dealt with. Okay, so I spent the weekend with my daughter, who's Native American, and she came in from a meeting yesterday. She works for the tribal court, and she came in. They were doing training for her work, and she came in from a meeting describing the complexity of the problems that they have to navigate at the tribal court. So essentially, a tribal court is, you know, the the Native court system, but she was like, they made these laws in the 80s. She was incensed. Like, they made these laws in the 80s, and they they only apply to natives. So like if a white person's doing mess on the res, like they have such a limited capacity to deal with it that it's like almost non-existent and, and like usually has to involve the FBI because that's the only mechanism and how, I mean, I assure you that's an insanely long process. So she was just kind of incensed that she was, and it's kind of what we've been talking about, right? Like a system meant to fix an already effed up system that the government gave you know, another group of people who they're disconnected from, not listening to, like, not, not really, I mean, it's just like, the complexity is insane, and super, super dumb, so I was like, oh, wow, that, I mean, I got to hear her really upset for so quite if, a while about so it. So, if I want to do math, I should definitely head to the res, is what you're telling me. Yeah, I maybe we should do math on her front court. Out. I mean, right, and they have to come up with really complex processes within their already system, which is I mean, I could go on about what happens on a, on most on most of the reservations I've had experience with about how toxic those systems are on top of abuse and other things. But I mean, that would take us like five years. So, but I mean, it's really frustrating because yeah. people like, we can't take solve and have to be responsible. Eight minutes, right, right. But the people who have to be responsible can't be, you know, responsible, and um, it's really it's really disempowering. So that was one where I was just like, I'm totally incensed for you. And uh, that that was in my space. Um, and that came up since we decided to do the inventory. We already had a whole list. Yeah, and who knew list. we were going to talk yeah. about Comcast so long? Um, <laughs> and, and then that one came up since we already had a giant list. And then that's been since we made the list. Right. That was like in the last day. Um, let's talk about men's, like, I want to talk about the mental health care system just for a second. Again, two seconds of yeah. toxicity, right? So my um, my youngest daughter is been living in residential care. Um, she's she's really struggling. We won't get into mental health, but they haven't been able to make significant progress. Like we've been round and around in circles, and like there's a lot of safety issues. Like there's a lot of different things that happened, and everybody knows we've had no change. But Medicaid has done funding, and she's been denied from all the options. So now we're left in a system. Oh, this connects to like three other systems, right? But we're left right. in a system where 
she has to step down because Medicaid is going to stop funding and there's no safe option. And my husband's like pulling his hair going, who's going to be responsible when she hurts someone or hurts somebody or hurts herself. And you're like, no, nobody is going to be responsible because we, we can't take responsibility. Like we don't, I mean, it's this amazingly complex problem, but that's part of what's happening in mental health is that well, it's I, driven by funding on top of a bad model for how we're paying for mental health care. Those systems can't evolve because they're all tied to a Medicaid or a mental health insurance system that doesn't move in any way nimbly or keep up with what's being learned about the brain or about how to make progress or social interaction. We don't pay for results. We just, you know, pay for whatever. And then kids just, I mean, my kid has parents and grandparents and community actively advocating for her, but the horror stories of kids just getting kicked out into the system who don't even have educational support or any of these other pieces in place because we can't keep funding you here, like off to the next thing. It's crazy. And I think you need to create a little more background too, to really point to how toxic that is because, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I want to, you know, for people who don't know yeah. this whole history, um, you adopted her out of the foster care system and there was even an agreement from the state and the foster care system that they would provide for her mental health as she got older. Right. And now financially, it's like kind right. of a half agreement. Right. But now they're, they're kind of taking that back, right? Like when you say Medicaid won't pay anymore, they're kind of breaking an agreement that they made, which is, you know, you're agreeing to raise this child who everyone knew was going to have some issues that, and the state and the foster care system offered to help. And it turns out that was kind of only half because it's inside. So it's like this system plus this system, and then it's inside the mental health system. And now there's this kid and everyone right. around her at risk. And we only have systems set up to deal with like the damage, right? Like, so she's stable ish right in this moment during this 30 day period, but we haven't dealt with anything underlying. So now she doesn't need X, but we don't have any, I mean, it's just, it's that, it's, there's so many complex systems involved in that that we could probably take 15 minutes naming just those. But right, I mean, which is why we about, decided to only talk about the week, a right? Whole separate thing. <laughs> but like then the school system, right? Like so, I needed to know like, will you guys fund? Will the school system fund this Medicaid? Will will the school system fund this day treatment option because she can't be part of the regular school system, right? So we're in rural Montana. There's not a lot of options. Like we're exploring all those things. But I couldn't get an answer, even though she had just had a state level IEP like the day, like a couple of days before, um, like within a week. I literally had to go through the process of requesting an IEP meeting. There will be seven professionals, including teachers, you know, all the administration who have to come to a meeting to answer one question because they made me re-enroll her in school. I'm like, is she technically not enrolled in school anymore? Like, they couldn't even answer that. I'm like, because I didn't enroll her in it. Like, She's just at a residential treatment facility. Like she's still a resident of the city. And I mean, it was just such an interesting, and that was like 15 things. And then of course I got a freaking paper form asking me to re-enroll my child. And then the lady is going, you can mail this in or you can email it back. And I'm like, how many times have I said this is urgent? Like we have to answer this question right away because we have to figure it out another way if we can't. And we only have a very limited amount of time to put that in place. So it's like, I mean, I hate paper. Like, why do I get a paper form from a school? Like, I mean, it's, right, it's yeah. I mean, literally maddening. Also, they have 99% of that information already. They already have that yeah, information. You said, 
you said they asked for a copy of her birth certificate. And, yeah. And they have a copy. I mean, what's wrong with the copy? She didn't get born again. That I gave you a year ago. Yeah, birth certificates <laughs> don't expire, right? Like, oh, right. sorry, her birth certificate's expired. Um, I mean, it is funny to me. This isn't funny, obviously, but we're, and it, this isn't about our lives, really. We're just pointing to, right. we all live inside these toxic systems and we don't really stop to distinguish them. And then how do they get better? But I, we just refinanced our house and I don't think I touched a piece of paper. I'm trying to think, I don't think I touched a piece of paper. Yes. Right. Um, and, and that to, I remember when Riley was in elementary school, I constantly had to deal <laughs> with paper and like small bills. Um, like every time she went on a field trip, I felt like it was some kind of ransom note, right? Like send a brown sack right. full of small unmarked bills. Like, and I even told Find her, in the left hand listen, corner. I will write you a check for a hundred dollars, $200. No questions asked. If you never ask me for ones again, please. Um, right. And right. why can't I sign one piece of paper at the beginning of the year? Yeah. Allowing all the, but I mean, those things are really easy to involve if you allow somebody to, and it's almost like this collective thing where like, it's not a question of like, does this help the school win? Does this help the parents win? It's like, well, nobody's taking it on and everybody's paying for it about 800 times, times every child over the course of, you know, five years in school. But we aren't addressing like, hey, you know, 20 hours of somebody's time could solve the system really well and implement something new. But we aren't listening and looking like that in inside systems. Right. Yeah. And just to remind everyone, this isn't about us complaining about our days. We're trying to distinguish and point to, you know, we're surrounded by systems that, that range from annoying and even the annoying ones have an attacks on us mentally, emotionally, right. financially, all the way up to ones that are truly toxic and dangerous. And no, nobody set out to create a system that was frustrating or toxic or dangerous. And yet we're surrounded by them. And if we don't stop and say, you know, why is this like this? Or what, you know, why, why, what is behind? And, and certainly, like you were saying, nobody should say to you, if you complain about the mental health system that your daughter is trapped in, well, don't complain right. unless you have a solution, because how is one woman? And sometimes the first thing there is to do to say, like, listen, why? We were talking about this offline, that, you know, I, I've had friends be stalked, and nothing can happen until they're hurt. Like, why do we right. wait? And it's a, it's a complex question because you also don't want to take away a person's freedoms unnecessarily too. Right. Yeah. It's, they aren't easy. They aren't easy questions to solve, but I do think um, some of it is like we are moving so quickly um, and so nimbly around creating things and that systems are getting created around those and we're staying inside old systems and that creates a real problem because we're not innovating the systems, you know, well and quickly enough um, to support it. Yeah. So even you're pointing to needing even to think about technologies. Right. Right. Well, and you know, here's a great example, right? I mean, it's not, it's not exactly, but pointing to how easy it is to incorporate technology into making something better. Um, this is uh, May of 2021. So vaccines is on everybody's mind. And a month or so ago, um, I can't remember where it was, in Atlanta, I think, um, the line for a drive-up vaccine clinic for the COVID vaccine was like an hour. 
And so they got right. on the phone to either, I can't remember who, either Chick-fil-A or In-N-Out Burger. One of those two, the manager, like the person who was running the clinic personally knew the manager of whichever one of those places and said, come and help. And that they put the technologies in place. And I don't mean literally technologies, right. like the little board, but like the mechanisms and they right, got the line down for like system. 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah. yeah, their system of, you know, how when you go to in and out and they, they go to the cars, right, and they ask you what you want. And so they implemented that with clipboards and whatever else they had. And they got the line down to just 10 or 15 minutes. And so that was a great example of, hey, what technologies do we actually have that we never applied to these existing systems? Like, I'm sure there's 10 technologies that we could apply to the mental health system that would revolutionize it right away at a very low, you know, low cost or low effort, but no one's right. looking there or asking those questions. Yeah, I'm really happy that you said that because ultimately, in my opinion, part of what underlies the unworkability of the systems is, is the conversation that we're having about um, how we value people and and the that we don't, right? Can you tell the thing quick about um, the robots? That you were telling me? The AI thing? With the cancer? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and by the way, I confirmed this totally. I went and read the whole New York New Yorker article. So I told you about it before <laughs> I checked my sources, but yes. they're good. No, it's a so, um, yeah, in Japan, they sell pastries, like a pastry shop, a bakery. Um, they'll have maybe 200 different options. Not right. like if you know, here in the U.S. or even in France where they right. have maybe 10 things, 12 things. They'll have hundreds of different options. Bear claws, croissants, sandwiches, all these different things. Um, and they have to offer a lot of variety. They've shown that stores that have 100 options will make twice as much money as stores with 30 options. It's just culturally okay. people like lots of options. Um, but And they also don't like stuff that's packaged. They don't like cellophane wrapped things that could have a nice right. um, barcode bar on them because there's right. this perception. And if and anybody who wants this is in the New Yorker, I don't remember when, sometime around now, May of 2021, um, that there's a perception that it's not fresh. So they have all like hundreds of these items out and unwrapped. And so it made being a cashier this nightmare because you have to know, and they're constantly innovating new kinds of pastries and new kinds of sandwiches. So right. the ca- it, it was a training nightmare and it's also really unsanitary. Um, so they ha- the, a, a bakery reached out to this guy to build a system, an AI system. And I'm not going to get into the geeky part. I read more about this, so I'm not going to geek out on it, but he used a different, he used a different kind of AI computer vision than the normal ones. Um, because most of the, the ones that were used to require a ton of training, um, mm-hmm. But you don't have time, you know, you have a new sandwich, you don't have time to take a thousand pictures of it to train the AI. So they use a different way. Um, so now you can fill your tray and you put it on this, under this scanner thing, like the backlit scanner thing, and it scans and it outlines them in either green, yellow, or red on, based on how confident it was. And it's like 90 some percent. And then it just says, okay. Right. Um, so really cool innovation, right? Just alone yeah. for the bakery thing. Um, but then this doctor, this cancer doctor is like, you know, cancer cells under a microscope look a lot like a pile of that pile of bread. So he reached out to the company and they innovated, or, you know, not innovated, they tinkered the code a little bit. And now it's starting to be used to scan, um, like it'll scan a slide and say, this cell looks like cancer, this one doesn't, 
you know, the same way. It says this looks like a croissant and this looks like a bear claw. Um, and it's starting to be used uh, there's at, at shrines where they sell like gems and stuff. You can just throw a pile of gems on it. It'll sort it all out and say, okay, you, you had, you know, two hematite and one this. Um, so Amazing. the pastry is now like, yeah. And it's, it, it was a technical, I mean, it was a huge problem for the bakery, right? An expensive problem for the bakery. Right. But who knew, right, that all, you know, and it's that kind of how can we apply this to different fields question that really needs to be asked. I mean, who would have thought that fast food would help us get vaccinated for COVID? But here we are, right? Like the, the need right. to get people quickly through the lunch line um, at yeah. lunchtime, you know. So, so And that story is like remarkable, right? Like how quickly that innovation is, is starting to happen. Like those pieces, right? And I, I think it does stir a little bit of fear, like, um, how many jobs are being, you know, will be eliminated and what does that mean? And I think it points back for me to, we have to start looking at human resource, like the way we bring ourselves to work and to exchange in a new economy. And we have to start treasuring that because mostly our business systems are like, I pay you, you give me the thing that's, really the value exchange but right. that's so limited because all the treasure that it would take to make most of these systems better like i said about comcast is like i almost couldn't say it <laughs> like it um it's another you know, they, it exists in the it exists in the system already but we aren't fostering that like people are paying like the comp like comcast for example is bringing employees to work it's paying them for what it decided the value is and those people right. are trapped in a horrible system where they don't even have a reason to discover their genius. They go to work swimming upstream all day. And what could really make things evolve and better without having things have to burn down to do it, um, they're not happening. And that's yeah. really like such a waste and such a shame. And that's the, at the end, like why we have to keep jumping up and down and you know, even you, like, I mean, you have had a good job, like you have such, such a diverse background and strong education and you're so competent. And like, even you have had to do so much work discovering your, like you could have a value outside that system. It's been kind of amazing for me. Right. Yeah. I, and I think that's actually a great place to start, to stop. I mean, and tee up the next episode, yeah. like let's next time, let's talk about this this idea of valuing something other than the time for money exchange and where people are. And we can tell the story about how we're basically married to the same man, but I have <laughs> almost 20 years experience being married to him and you only have a couple. So we can tell some funny stories about that. And not like last yeah. time where we promised to talk about sex. We will actually talk about this one on the next time. So episode three will all Although be about, in um, all fairness, we were going to talk about sex, but when we looked at it, I was like, well, that's really a system that's it wasn't talking right now, so we won't, yeah, it wasn't we won't get into that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but next time we'll talk about um, this idea of valuing people inside their genius and like the toxic, the toxic economic systems that make that difficult. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Thanks, Liz. Cool. Thank you yep, guys we'll for joining soon. us. Thanks for joining we'll us. Soon. All right. Bye. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to catch us in the ladies' room. You can also find Lynn at A Spacious Life on Facebook, Instagram, and in Clubhouse. And find Allie at 5 Billion Entrepreneurs on LinkedIn and Instagram. Mm-hmm.